The FBI had become expert at infiltrating the clan with informants, and Dogen trusted no one but family and a handful of accomplices. He owned the largest used car lot in Meridian, Mississippi, and had made plenty of money on all sorts of shady deals. He sometimes preached in rural churches. The second member of the team was a clansman by the name of Sam Cahall, from Clanton, Mississippi, in Ford County, three hours north of Meridian, and an hour south of Memphis. Cahall was known to the FBI, but his connection to Dogen was not. The FBI considered him to be harmless because he lived in an area of the state with almost no Klan activity. A few crosses had been burned in Ford County recently, but no bombings, no killings. The FBI knew that Cahall's father had been a Klansman, but on the whole the family appeared to be rather passive. Dogen's recruitment of Sam Cahall was a brilliant move. The bombing of Kramer's office began with a phone call on the night of April 17, 1967. Suspecting with good reason that his phones were tapped, Jeremiah Dogan waited until midnight and drove to a payphone at a gas station south of Meridian. He also suspected he was being followed by the FBI, and he was correct. They watched him, but they had no idea where the call was going. Sam Cahall listened quietly on the other end, asked a question or two, then hung up. He returned to his bed and told his wife nothing. She knew better than to ask. The next morning he left the house early and drove into the town of Clanton. He ate his daily breakfast at the coffee shop, then placed a call on a payphone inside the Ford County Courthouse. Two days later, on April 20th, Cahall left Clanton at dusk and drove two hours to Cleveland, Mississippi, a Delta college town an hour from Greenville. He waited for forty minutes in the parking lot of a busy shopping center, but saw no sign of a green Pontiac. He ate fried chicken in a cheap diner, then drove to Greenville to scout the law offices of Marvin B. Kramer and Associates. Cahall had spent a day in Greenville two weeks earlier and knew the city fairly well. He found Kramer's office, then drove by his stately home, then found the synagogue again. Dogan said the synagogue might be next, but first they needed to hit the Jew lawyer. By eleven, Cahall was back in Cleveland, and the green Pontiac was parked not at the shopping center but at a truck stop on Highway 61, a secondary site. He found the ignition key under the driver's floor mat and took the car for a drive through the rich farm fields of the Delta. He turned onto a farm road and opened the trunk. In a cardboard box covered with newspapers, he found fifteen sticks of dynamite, three blasting caps, and a fuse. He drove into town and waited in an all-night cafe. At precisely 2 a.m., the third member of the team walked into the crowded truck stop and sat across from Sam Cahall. His name was Raleigh Wedge, a young man of no more than 22 but a trusted veteran of the Civil Rights War. He said he was from Louisiana, now lived somewhere in the mountains where no one could find him, and though he never boasted, he had told Sam Cahall several times that he fully expected to be killed in the struggle for white supremacy. His father was a Klansman and a demolition contractor, and from him Raleigh had learned how to use explosives. Sam knew little about Raleigh Wedge and didn't believe much of what he said. He never asked Dogan where he found the kid. They sipped coffee and made small talk for half an hour. Cahall's cup shook occasionally from the jitters, but Raleigh's was calm and steady. His eyes never blinked. They had done this together several times now, and Cahall marveled at the coolness of one so young. He had reported to Jeremiah Dogan that the kid never got excited, not even when they neared their targets and he handled the dynamite. Wedge's car was a rental from the Memphis airport. 
He retrieved a small bag from the back seat, locked the car, and left it at the truck stop. The green Pontiac with K-Hall behind the wheel left Cleveland and headed south on Highway 61. It was almost 3 a.m. and there was no traffic. A few miles south of the village of Shaw, K-Hall turned onto a dark gravel road and stopped. Raleigh instructed him to stay in the car while he inspected the explosives. Sam did as he was told. Raleigh took his bag with him to the trunk, where he inventoried the dynamite, the blasting caps, and the fuse. He left his bag in the trunk, closed it, and told Sam to head to Greenville. They drove by Kramer's office for the first time around 4 a.m. The street was deserted and dark, and Raleigh said something to the effect that this would be their easiest job yet. Too bad we can't bomb his house, Raleigh said softly as they drove by the Kramer home. Yeah, too bad. Sam said nervously, but he's got a guard, you know. Yeah, I know, but the guard would be easy. Yeah, I guess, but he's got kids.